0: look at the big challenge, and then see where the problems are that are most interesting and most powerful that you could act up.
1: Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the PASS Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So, on today's episode of Learning Unboxed, we are going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. You've heard me talk about systems over and over again on this program. And today, we're actually going to talk about systems innovation. And joining us today for that conversation is Dan McClure, who is a specialist in disruptive systems innovation. And we will get him to explain what all that means to us here in a few moments. And throughout a 40-year career, he has been, and I quote, and I love this very much, a choreographer of ambitious, messy change. I don't think that could be any better way to introduce somebody uh, to join this particular program. And today, Dan is a founding partner of Innovation Ecosystem. So, Dan, welcome to this messy, ambitious endeavor.
0: This, is, this sounds like great fun. <laughs>
1: It'll absolutely be a great time. I think that one of the things that will really sort of help the stage for our listeners who come to us from, from all over the world is just give us a little bit about what you think of when you use the word system and more in particular system innovation. What is that thing? Yeah,
0: so systems thinking and systems has really become the buzzword over the last mm-hmm. few years. And it's one of those early buzzwords that hasn't really found its, you know, shape yet, I think. Mm-hmm. So for many people systems is about technical analysis of how do you connect together all these things and simulate a system for other people. It's about, you know, how do we get individuals and organizations to work together? And really what we look at when we talk about system and what we mean by system innovation is the idea that the way you create value in the world, the way that you actually do something with impact and of real significance is by bringing together people, technology, partners, Mm -hmm. resources, and connecting them all up so that we don't actually solve big problems with a silver bullet, but rather we solve them with an interconnection of different people, activities, and resources. And that's what systems are about for us, mm-hmm. and system innovation is really the ability to shape those systems in ways that do new and exciting things.
1: Absolutely, and we do talk about this all the time. And a lot of our listeners are educators, obviously, you know, learning in box that just sort of makes sense. Who come to us from from all over with all different types of, for first and foremost, the system in which they're working in locally, right? They're yeah. all fairly unique to, to a local endeavor, and yet they are all part of a much much larger um, ecosystem or system, if you will, that is tied to their industry. And there's the post-secondary component of it, and there's a K-12 component of it, and there's charter schools and private schools and public schools and after school, you know, all of these different sort of tangle, if you will, of components. And one of the reasons I was excited about this conversation today is because educators are always constantly wrestling, I would like to to put, I guess, phrase it that way, wrestling with a whole set of systems that on many levels were never engineered to operate together, much less to be so intertwined as they are today. And so I was super, super curious about how your work sort of lends itself to you thinking about this dilemma in education.
0: I think it's really interesting. Once you step back and sort of like take that big picture view so you see the whole system, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you can start to do. So one is address the problem that you mentioned, which mm-hmm. is system A doesn't play well with system B, which doesn't even like system C. <laughs> and as a result, you end up with you know just barriers and you know flaws in performance that are you know hard to solve, you know, just simply because the systems don't work together. And so mm-hmm. there's this opportunity to connect and make existing systems work well. I think though today what I find most exciting is the possibility of saying A, B, and C, you know, all three of those systems are outdated. Exactly. And so what we really ought to be mm-hmm. thinking about is what if we swept all of those away and brought in a new vision for a different system?
1: Oh, and be still my heart, Dan. Be this still is my some, heart. This is, this, this, this is my whole passion. And,
0: you know, this can't be done casually. I think right. anybody who steps back and appreciates the complexity of a system, you can't be sitting there saying, oh, and tomorrow I'm going to go mm-hmm. out and reinvent an entire mm-hmm. system. But that big picture view does give you permission to think at that level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I find most exciting right now. We could try to fix and make, you know, a 16th century educational model basically work better. Mm-hmm. But maybe what we really should be doing is imagining what this current century's educational model would look like. And with all the tools and resources that we've got.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, Yeah, cannot tell you how much I agree with that. You know, and it's part of the premise of this this program is that very thing. But I also think that one of the the other pieces that's really intriguing about the work that you do and the way that you're 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 doing that work is around this idea about disruptive change. And you know, again, you pointed out that we could spend time trying to to fix this system that's quite frankly obsolete. I think is a term I use all the time tied to this. But we've been doing that for a really long time. We have been throwing trillions and trillions of dollars globally at trying to fix a system that, quite frankly, it, it worked great as designed when designed, but it, is, it has become obsolete, not just recently, but over, quite frankly, a pretty long period of time at this yeah. point. And so when we sort of think about that from an opportunity standpoint, how do we how do we go about taking advantage of the fact that we we have a moment? You know, quite frankly, the global pandemic was not a great thing in so many different ways. However, it did provide us collectively, I think, with a moment of pause and we can do several things with that moment of pause. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So one of my favorite statistics and I'm going to jump out of education for a moment over into healthcare which is mm-hmm. another one of the yeah. sectors that was really affected by the global pandemic. So during the first 6 months of the pandemic in, in North America the level of use of digital health, you mm-hmm. know, you know, remote health services increased by 16,000%. Mm-hmm. And so what that tells you is it's possible to introduce these shocks to the system Mm -hmm. that just open the door to suddenly completely new opportunities that scale up very, very rapidly. I think in many ways, the pandemic was more than just a pause. Mm -hmm. It was a shock to the system. Oh, yeah. And you basically have an opportunity to break the status quo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody... Says, Oh, you're breaking the status quo. That's got to be bad. Mm -hmm. But if you're capable of reinventing a new system in its place, breaking the status quo is actually a really powerful and potent thing to do. Mm
1: -hmm. No, absolutely. And I, we, we see that all the time as well. you know, lots and lots of conversations sort of swirling around in the world of education about, Oh, we can't wait to get back to to normal or a new normal. And I push on that all the time. I hate that phrasing because I would like to point out normal wasn't working for the majority of children in our back to your, 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 your preface around us, right. Let's, Let's narrow it in a little bit. Right. So, normal wasn't working for the majority of our students. So why would a new normal, you know, be that much better? It's not, it's a band aid approach, you know, and so many schools are just, you know, trying to get back to something that felt familiar, but familiar doesn't necessarily sort of get us where we want to or need to be.
0: And, you know, what's striking is the demands on education aren't okay. constant here. So mm-hmm. this isn't that we've got an educational challenge that's the same as the we faced 15 or 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Education needs to do new things. And I don't think even if we had had a perfectly performing system before, the new demands that are being placed on education really say we're going to have to change that system simply to meet these new demands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know that's sort of phrasing it in a negative sense of like there's demands, but oh my god, there's opportunities. Oh,
1: absolutely. Think about the
0: the technologies that are available today will make us look silly for getting excited by tablets in the classroom.
1: Oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. You know, there is
0: just so much that can be done now and you know the possibilities for big solutions that span multiple elements of our lives. You know, why for example have we always thought of knowledge as something that happens in a school? Mhm. Why aren't we weaving the acquisition and use of knowledge into our entire lives? Absolutely. And, you know, that sounds sort of like a, you know, one of those late night talk show kinds of things. Oh, we ought to weave it into our lives. But it's technically possible now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really exciting is mm-hmm. there are so many more things that we could do to rise, race to, you know, get ourselves up to this challenge.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the whole landscape of accessibility, you know, that the option and opportunity, if you will, tied to accessibility of information, of data, right? And the ability for anybody to very quickly, quite frankly, anymore, learn how to not only get access to that data, but manipulate the data and utilize the data and analyze the data For the common good. Also, we're seeing it's all over the news frequently, you know, a lot of bad use of data. But, you know, that that comes with everything. There's there's always going to be, be be good and bad tied to a whole variety of components. And yet we still have this grand opportunity.
0: Yeah, I like the phrase grand opportunity because I think it begins to set your goals at the right level. Mm -hmm. You know, when we advise like corporate clients Mm -hmm. as they're trying to, you know, reinvent their businesses in whatever industry they are, Mm -hmm. one of the things we talk about is the first step is to lift your eyes up high enough so that you see the scope of opportunity that's available to you. Because it's so easy to be, you know, focused on what even feels like an an ambitious fix to your existing system. And you know there are grand there are literally grand opportunities
1: oh absolutely i talk with the the kids all the time that come to the past innovation Labs where you see behind you um, yeah. about the fact that you know one one of the absolute premises that we have that every kiddo that that walks in the door is capable of solving the world's biggest hairy most audacious problems because they're so creative and so unconstrained right and if We could just take the lessons of that experience of watching that unconstrained problem solving, exuberant—you name it—you know that that sort of light bulb, immersive innovation, if you will—and could more broadly apply it. Then imagine what would be possible.
0: Yeah, I. So I'd like to challenge, though. Yeah,
1: please do
0: a bit (laughs) of that narrative because. One of the things I think we've seen for a number of years now in innovation is this idea that innovation is about creativity. It's about Mm -hmm. having ideas. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that when you talk about individual innovators, it is more about discovering the Mm -hmm. type of talent you have to create Mm -hmm. and what is the gift you bring to that creative Mm -hmm. effort and then empowering that.
1: Absolutely.
0: And that allows somebody who might not be an idea engine but is an action hero Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. actually find their place in this innovation ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And by viewing innovation as a systems activity, there's more and more places where different types of people can fit in in this sort of creative endeavor. And I think one of the big jobs of education now is to prepare as many different types of people Mm -hmm. to be creative participants as we can.
1: Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Absolutely. Spot on. Love that. Can we dig in a little bit, Dan? One of the things that you sent over ahead of this conversation was this concept or this idea tied to, you know, being for disruptors to be successful, you've got to do big things. And you sent over a list of three key, well, I would call them actions, but I think they're ways of thinking about what you're going to do. And I would really love to dig in on these three, because I think they have absolute direct application to what's happening right now.
0: Yeah. So the first kind of ties into our earlier conversation, which is seeing problems differently. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people, when they start to innovate, they almost immediately jump to the solution. Mm -hmm. You know, they've they've kind of assumed the problem in their head, and then they go to fix it. And oftentimes, the best problem, and problems have quality, levels of quality to them, the mm-hmm. best problem is one that creates big impact and is tractable. And often, that's not the one that's the most obvious mm-hmm. to somebody. Mm-hmm. So to start, a system innovator really looks at the entire system that's involved with all the things that they're concerned about. So, for example, you know, in elementary school education, there was a study that looked at you know why young girls did or did not excel in reading, mm-hmm. and you know there were obviously programs targeted at you know supporting girls in their reading efforts, et cetera. But if you take that lens and you move it back. One of the things that you realize is that there's a strong correlation between whether a mother is literate and whether Mm -hmm. children, daughters can read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so now by pulling this lens back, we say, oh, maybe our place of action is actually... Parental literacy Mm -hmm. instead of in classroom, extra in classroom action. And this idea of when you understand the system, you can see more places that you can act Mm -hmm. is a really powerful concept because oftentimes you can get around the kinds of barriers that were blocking your action before, as well as finding like the places that where you can get really power, real power. So that's like the first thing. Mm -hmm. Look at the big challenge and then see where the problems are that are most interesting and most powerful that you could act at. So that's that's the first thing Mm the systemator does.
1: That's awesome. And that that is one of those pieces where I end that the example was 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 spot on as it relates to, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what's that thing that you think you need to solve, but then what's actually causing that that initial problem to begin with. And I appreciate that very much because sometimes I think we forget to ask those bigger questions.
0: Well, and it can feel like, it's, it's funny, I was um, working with an innovation lab in Jordan and we had some folks from UNICEF who were mm-hmm. there. And we had literally a knockdown, drag out, yelling at each other fight because the feeling was it would take too much time to understand that big problem system. And there wasn't enough time to look at the big picture. And the problems were just too urgent to, you know, spend all that time thinking about things.
1: But if you don't think about it, it's just a band-aid. Your solution will only be a band-aid or or at least only be a piece of it, right?
0: You could have joined me on on my side of of the knockdown, (laughs) drag-out fight. But I think the other part of that is, you don't really need to know all the details of every problem. Mm-hmm. You can learn a lot about a problem even with a quick stepping back. Mm-hmm. And so it's getting in the habit of that stepping back that really matters. Mm-hmm. The second thing though, and this is is really crucial once you do start taking action is you have to understand that the solution is not just the one thing that you want to work on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mentioned tablets earlier. Tablets in the classroom have just so many examples of places where they've been inserted into an educational environment and then nothing happened. Right. And one particular program that, that I had a chance to engage with they had done a fabulous job of doing all the user centered design they had literally some of the best designers in the world working on this tablet and everything mm-hmm. and then they rolled it into the classroom for their first trial and none of the teachers used it mm-hmm. and it's because the tablet required the teacher to change the way they taught exactly and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that but nobody had planned right. for that yeah and mm-hmm. so The technology as a solution, as an isolated solution, wasn't enough. You needed to affect the entire classroom. Fast forward a few more months... There was the realization that, oh, the content streams coming into this platform also needed an Mm -hmm. entire system reinvention. Right, right. And so you just keep going and you say, for this to work, for any educational system to work, all the pieces need to be in place. And this is one of the things that a system innovator brings to the, you know, to the Mm -hmm. table is they bring this ability to see, here's all the pieces that we're going to have to figure out how to make work together.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what's that third one then?
0: Okay, so the third one's the one that gets me the most excited. Yeah, Actually, I literally get chills <laughs> when I when I when I talk about, you know, these sorts of things. This is what I'd like to do if I'm sitting around, you know, with a bunch of people just brainstorming stuff. One of the big paths for change in systems is when you break apart an old fully integrated system, and then you've got all these pieces. So it's sort of like having your Lego dinosaur mm-hmm. all built up, and then you break it into individual pieces of Legos, and all of a sudden you can build something new. Yeah. Except in today's world, you don't simply get all the dinosaur Lego pieces. It's like somebody comes with a dump truck full of other Lego pieces mm-hmm. that you can add to this This mix and this unbundling, which is, you know, basically breaking apart existing services and then reassembling them in new ways Mm -hmm. with all the new technologies and capabilities and possibilities that are out there. That's where system innovation really begins to shine, because what you're doing is you're building an entirely new system out of the pieces that you've got and you're seeing this unbundling going on in all sorts of sectors hospitals mm-hmm. are being broken into pieces that's mm-hmm. part of what the whole digital health thing yep. was doing but education itself is being broken into many pieces now and you know we've got the large university MOOCs out there you know that are offering wonderful content online often free mm-hmm. but you have to ask so why do i need the university there mm-hmm. And you can also ask, why can't I bring in new partners? So just in sort of scribbling while we were trying to get through our Zoom challenges earlier (laughs) today, I was thinking, so what if Ford decided to offer education? So you're going to now get your degree from Ford, which will be provided in your self-driving car. Mm -hmm. And it will be a learning environment. Tailored to your specific career and jobs and everything, because, of course, we now know everything about you, and it will be provided in a learning space that has all the tools for you to best learn and engage. You know, how does then even a Harvard compete with that Mm -hmm. because this is woven into your life. It's tailored to you and it doesn't require the existing systems and people to be in place. So maybe it's a crazy idea that has no value at all but that's the kind of thing you can start to imagine once you start putting the Legos together Mm -hmm. of all the pieces that are out there and we've got a global Lego box right now. Mm -hmm. You know, It's not just the Legos of the US Mm -hmm. or -hmm. the Legos of Europe. like we've got pieces everywhere.
1: We do, we do. And again, you know, I go back to one of the statements earlier, we have this amazing opportunity, right? Because, yeah. you know, again, you know, and I love the example about the healthcare and the telehealth and the telemedicine, because we often saw prior to the pandemic that, you know, there would be a 60 minute program about, oh, this 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 rural community and they solved this, this person's terrible, terrible medical issue by remoting in with a Mayo Clinic and all this kind of, but, but that that was the rarity. It wasn't the everyday, way we solved we solved these these medical issues and yet very very quickly to your point we ramped up we grabbed that technology that quite frankly was already here it already existed we just had not deployed it and we made it possible to get through that particular moment and the hope is that of course that it has a legacy component that we don't undo that we're able to sort of move forward with and so i'm curious a little bit about the way that you would think about working with a very very dysfunctional school district and there are a lot of them out there there are a lot of really great ones full full disclosure right and and fairness there but yeah. but there are a fair number that are super super dysfunctional and they're not because that there are un- you know, not well-intended people. And it's not because they're sometimes not well-funded and it's not because, you know, they don't have the best interest of children at heart. But oftentimes what I find in my work and going out and sitting down and having conversations with those very communities is they can't get over that. We've always done it this way before. And the example that I have, right, is as a school district that was spending Many, many, many tens of thousands of dollars more than they needed to on busing routes because they hadn't changed the busing route in 30 years. Despite the fact that the community's population was dispersed in ways that it had never been dispersed before. And so the dysfunction tied to the fact that they had never, ever changed what was happening with the buses, a ripple effect into everything. They couldn't get the kids to school on time to start on time. And so that meant the school was either always trying to lag at the end of the day or very valuable in their mind, things they should be teaching, right? They yeah. didn't have time for anymore because and it was just this, this crazy ripple effect. And when I said, well, why are we running buses th- like we did 30 years ago? Why don't we just change that? You know, you could have heard a pin drop in the room. Well, I think what's that about? You know, so I
0: think that touches on a couple of key things that, you know, system innovators wrestle with. Mm-hmm. The first is that things are connected. You know, when you pull one string or you push one button, something on the other side of the room falls over. And that's one of the things that's both powerful and challenging about this. I'm always skeptical when I walk into a place and it feels like it is so obvious that you should make this change. Why haven't you done it? Mm -hmm. And one of the cautions that I think I've come to, well, Oftentimes, it's like, yeah, really, you should make this change. But oftentimes, what you're not seeing is the connections and the links mm-hmm. that make it prudent, actually, to keep things the way they are. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of this is stepping back and saying, all right, what really is constraining you? You know. Right. Mm -hmm. Is it just simply nobody bothered to go around and look at the bus routes or are there other things about the way things are set up that that's tangled up with other stuff? Mm -hmm. And I think this is part of when you do system innovation, you know, I mentioned before, it's not just about ideas. The. One of the key jobs here is to really connect and see how things are tied together and deal with those connections and find ways to get everybody on board. We call that role a choreographer Mm -hmm. to distinguish it from like an inventor or whatever. I like that. And the choreographer's job is really to see the big picture Mm -hmm. and make sure that everybody gets a pony. Mm -hmm. So they may not all get the same pony, so you may find that a school administrator needs one thing, a teacher needs a different mm-hmm. thing, and a student needs yet another thing. But in the end, if the system's going to work, somebody needs to make sure that there are trade-offs and rewards so that everybody in that system is getting a pony.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 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 So I always like to wrap up this program, recognizing that people just spent about a half hour with us listening to you and I, you know, have a chit chat about things that get us all jazzed and excited. And the hope is that that a listener, you know, there are nuggets here of things that they're like, oh, I just really would like to do that thing or grab a piece of what I just heard Dan talking about and take it back into my school building or into my community or even to one of my industry partners. But it's really hard because I'm out there in the big wild world I'm all by myself. And so, you know, I always like to close by asking my guests, you know, if, well, what do you say to that lone individual that's out there saying, I want to do some of the things that I just heard Dan talking about, but how do I get started thinking about the circumstance and the space of the system that I'm operating in in terms of what I can do to affect that differently?
0: So, I think the best thing you can do is find somebody else to talk with. Mm -hmm. You know, I think system innovation, thinking about big things is best done as a activity amongst people. Mm -hmm. This doesn't mean, however, that you need to get, you know, a, you know, collection of everybody across the school district and have a consensus meeting or whatever, really talking, find some folks that are kindred spirits in what you want to do, how you think about things, and then deliberately take some of those steps. Take a look back. Step back and look at what the big picture challenge and the opportunity is. Do some reading around being a generalist. Don't mm-hmm. assume that the answer is going to be in just your field of study. You know, There might mm-hmm. be some really interesting things happening over in healthcare that could provide you inspiration. And then finally, come up with a big picture of what you want to do. And start thinking about how you could move in that direction. This is really about getting the energy to think big and then just taking the time to do it
1: yeah absolutely it's a big scary step but it can be so incredibly rewarding and fulfilling and the reality is most folks have really creative um thinkers problem solvers collaborators you, you know you name it all the buzzwords in their communities they're often yeah. just you know well more than willing to help if you just ask well and i think
0: Getting that conversation going, it's often surprising who those people are. One of the things that I find most interesting when you talk to organizations, they say, you ask them who their superstars are. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, they almost downplay the person who's the big picture thinker because they're disruptive and they're difficult Mm -hmm. and et cetera. And so, you know, think about that person who normally is a little bit, you know, difficult in a meeting or difficult in a conversation because they're pushing beyond the comfort zone. Oftentimes that's the best person to go and sit down with and have a tea and get some ideas going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good advice. Dan, thank you so much for making time out of your day to have this conversation with us, to share your thoughts and your, your innovation and for choreography, all, all, all the choreography yeah. that you do in your day-to-day world. We appreciate that so much.
0: Well, thank you very much. It's been a joy to be here.
1: Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin, and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.